Live to see a friend and welcome to the world transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the world transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all. The one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and I'm pleased to introduce part two of our three-part 700th show celebration that we're conducting all this week with my co-blogger, co-futurist, and co-host Stephen Gordon and with Thomas Fry, the world-renowned futurist and speaker, man who works with business and government to help leaders shape their understanding of what's coming next. Thomas is the founder and senior futurist at the Da Vinci Institute, and he's the author of Communicating with the Future, How Reengineering Intentions Will Alter the Master Code of Our Future, and more recently of Epiphany Z, Eight Radical Visions for Transforming Your Future. So here comes part two, where Stephen and Thomas and I talk about the midterm future, what's going to happen over the next 20 years or so. All right, let's, uh, let's shift gears now. We're going we're gonna to shift gears. We've, we've, talked, we've talked near term. Let's talk a little farther out. Let's talk about what we expect to see happen over the next couple of decades between, say, now and roughly the year 2040. So we've, we've already covered some really big ground just in terms of uh, – in terms of artificial intelligence, and I think we'll probably have to be revisiting that. And we've we've uh, we've talked about what well, we were just talking about cryptocurrency. Stephen, you were just talking about the uh, photorealistic video games, and Thomas, you mentioned the the holodeck. Obviously, virtual reality is about to become a much bigger thing than it has been up to that up to this point. And I'm guessing that probably if we were ever going to see that become a fully immersive experience a.k.a. the holodeck is real, that that's probably the – is that the right time frame, or do we need to push it even farther out than that? What do you think, guys? Well, I think uh, all of this stuff starts as crappy technology, and then it, it, then it, it starts morphing and shifting and, and gets much better. Um, the first versions of uh, GPS were really lousy. Um, if you remember back, um, you know, the yep. first search engines were really crappy. Um, I mean, all this technology had... Well, there was nothing much online anyway to find, right? So it was a kind of... A, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you got, you got a lot of garbage, uh, yeah. those first searches, a lot of garbage. And so all of this started evolving, and it's gotten way better. Um, so it, it's got to start someplace. So it's, it's the, there's kind of these fundamental breakthroughs, these, um, uh, the, these, these inflection points that somebody needs to um, create this little breakthrough and, and run with it, and then that changes the, the entire industry. That's, that's what we're looking for is those inflection points. Um, and so as, to the degree that we, can, that we can forecast or we can start predicting those, uh, I think it becomes pretty interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. How about you, Stephen? You got a 20-year-out prediction? Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned uh, earlier that in two years uh, – um, SpaceX would launch something for Mars, an uh, unmanned ship. I'm saying in uh, two decades, there will be a Martian colony. Um, it, it might be SpaceX still, or maybe SpaceX has you know, experienced some setbacks and they're not even a company anymore. But, either, but somebody, SpaceX, a competitor, or maybe a country, has uh, uh, someone inspired by SpaceX, who knows? 
is is on Mars uh, with a with a colony in 20 years. What do you think, Thomas? Does that sound right to you? Yeah. I mean, we were saying um, we'll have a president on Mars by then, right? So that doesn't sound that I, I think that's an, I think that's entirely possible. Um, a lot of it uh, boils down to kind of some of these core philosophies about humanity and what's what's our purpose in the universe. What's um, in the Star Trek world? They use this term, the Prime Directive, which I think they just get it abysmally wrong on Star Trek. <laughs> right. um, and you're not supposed to interfere with people on other planets. Well, that's just stupid. Uh, I can't imagine a, any possible scenario where we would discover. Uh, humanoid life on other planets and not want to get involved right um there's there's no scenario where that plays out that way um but trying to figure it's it's more of a prime restrictive that they've talked about than a prime directive yeah it's so the big what, no-no it's not the prime directive at all it's the yeah, well right it's, and it's so very negative what is what is the point of humanity what what's our goal what's our objective and it, colonizing other planets makes good sense i mean um, as Stephen Hawking talks about, that uh, uh, the, the human race cannot survive if all humans are only on one planet. Um, that's basically what he's saying. So he says that we've got roughly another 100 years to live on this planet. Um, that would create some urgency in my mind to start colonizing other planets. I think that's a great goal. I think we start discovering all kinds of interesting things in the universe once we, once we actually start going down that path. So... Um, I think there's there's other goals as well, but that's one of the in, more interesting prime directives. Okay, I like it. Well, I'm going to pick up on the AI one real quick because I had predicted that in the next two years, some big intractable problem will be taken on by AI that we hadn't expected, and maybe we'll see we'll see some results. I'm going to say in 20 years virtually all problems that, that are addressed, right, will be addressed by AI, that basically it will be our default de facto solving problem methodology for everything, I think up to and including probably the function of government at that point. I think we're, we're, we're probably going to see such an explosion of the capability of AI that we just, we, we're going to begin this process of handing over a, a larger and larger parts of, if not decision making, at least reasoning out what the decision should be to AI, and if it comes up with a good solution, going with it. I think it'll be harder at first to get used to the idea of doing it, but after a few big wins and the fact that over the next 20 years, AI is going to be so much smarter even than it is now, that it, it simply it becomes our default way of, of solving problems. Yeah, that's, so. a, that's, a, 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 um, that's a great one to, to work with. Now, leading up to that, um, I've been predicting that we're uh, um, that every city in the future is going to have their own fleet of drones, and these drones will be flying over cities on a regular basis, and they're essentially uh, mapping and using sensors to create digital models of of the city. They're creating digital models of the terrain below, and so as they're doing this, then we will be able to uh, start creating search engines for the physical world. Um, so as an example, in a city, uh, you can start using search queries to find out where is that dog with rabies right now? Um, what caused that fire at 22nd and Oak Street last night? If you had problems with a stalker, 
how close did John Doe get to Jane Doe in the last 24 hours? Um, you can get some very sophisticated uh, types of queries as we're not just searching on the physical attributes of a city. We're also searching on, uh, I want something with this uh, level of reflectivity. I want something with this texture. I want something with this harmonic vibration or this specific gravity or this smell or this taste. And we'll be able to know so much more about a city and being able to protect the environment around us. That I think we get very, will get very interesting very fast. Well, that you know, it is really interesting when you when you put it in those kinds of terms because what you've got then is essentially understanding at multiple levels at the same time, right? The way, it, so so you can be thinking about the big picture of the city, who's where, what what's happening, who's doing what, but also underneath it, what are the physical properties of the uh, of of the components that that you're looking at, or how much power is being drawn, or you know whatever it would be. What was the atmospheric pressure at that at that moment, and how 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 all those different things are are coming together. So that search engine, it, it almost seems like the the big problem there would be having enough intelligence on our end to do anything useful with it. Right? It's almost overwhelming to think about what you would what problems would you address with that kind of a technology. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we get the capability, and then the killer app shows itself. So it'll, yeah. it, it, we'd, we'd get it. You know, we'd figure it out. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, well, it one, of, one, of the, one of the uses would be as if um, some form of life actually died. Um, is this a human that died, uh, a heart stopped beating, or was it a dog that the heart stopped beating, or a horse, or what was it? Um, but we could track uh, changes in uh, kind of... The, uh, the life quotient of an area. Um, I'm not sure if that's a, a good a good term or not, but <laughs> but then we, we just start understanding what's going on in, on a whole different level. Now over in China, but they're trying to use AI to um, to actually start uh, mapping out. It's a whole minority report thing. They're trying to actually anticipate. Um, crimes anticipate people that are going to commit commit crimes before they actually happen. Now, um, as we saw in the movie, and there's all kinds of the minority reports, report. Like, here it is, right? It's yeah. Uh, what what can possibly go wrong with that scenario? <laughs> um, um, but uh, I think I think it's entirely possible to find people that we should put on a watch list. Yeah. Um, and I think we can get much closer. To finding the problem uh, uh, before it ha- uh, before it gets totally out of control, um, I, I use this this phrase. Uh, I wrote a column on this topic of what I call anomaly zero. Um, so, you know, whenever there's uh, an avalanche, there's some snowflake that caused it. Um, whenever there's a, a hurricane, there's some change in barometric pressure air pressure, something that that caused that to to uh, start. Uh, turning into a whole hurricane. The same with tornadoes or hailstorms and all these, these natural disasters. Um, the same with government corruption and businesses failing and things like that. We can, there's an initial thing that happens that causes the avalanche to start falling. And we, the, the closer we can get to uh, the, uh, spotting the danger um, at the original starting point, the closer we can get to that, the better off we are. We can we can mitigate all the damage that 
occurs from all these uh, big disasters. And I think we're going to get much better at uh, kind of pushing that back to the, the initial inflection point where things start changing. Okay. That's a good use for AI right there. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, I mean, that's when you're really living in an AI driven world, right? When you're doing that kind of stuff with it, when it's, when it's, um, when it, when it's impacting things at, at that kind of level. I love it. Well, how about you, Stephen? You got I, another I, 20? Oh, I, go ahead. I've got, I've got two that I'm going to throw out are both uh, AI related. Okay. Um, the first, the first interstellar probes, in other words, going to a, another star have been launched in 20 years. Uh, they're still many years from their destination, but uh, they are traveling at a substantial fraction of the speed of light. Of course, these are you know uh, AI uh, controlled. Uh, you'd have you'd have an AI on board. These oh yeah. Um, the next one, human driving, is thought of almost as an extreme sport. Few licenses are granted, and then they can only be used on specially designated roads. Driving for pleasure is the only human driving left. In 20 years. In- interesting. You know, you know what's, what's an interesting thought about that is probably for those specialty cars that you can buy for a person to drive, it'll probably have safety equipment where if you do something really ridiculous, the AI just takes over, right? It'll be there anyway, right? And it'll... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a big, big <laughs> hand will reach out of the dash and slap you. Um. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. 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 I think we, I think that's a feature we need on those cars. But I I, I agree with uh, Stephen on that. I think um, um, driving, human driving, actually becomes a very expensive hobby uh, over time. Um, insurance for those type of cars just skyrockets because not many people are buying insurance for cars anymore. Um, and so I just think it becomes very, um, not many people doing it uh, over the next couple decades here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I've got another one a little bit, a little bit different, but coming back to one I'd made a two year prediction about, I talked about cryptocurrencies. There, there being kind of a shift in in moving them more in kind of a value you know medium of exchange rather than a medium for speculation over the next 20 years i would predict that cryptocurrencies blockchain based or otherwise will be the primary meeting medium of exchange that 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 they'll take over that that will become the way we do things and if it doesn't happen it's going to be because something has come after that that we haven't even heard about yet that will that will be a, an even more powerful paradigm, or like the completion of that paradigm. That maybe we're only sort of hearing the beginning of it here in these first few years with with uh, um, Bitcoin and, and Ethereum and the others. We you know we're, we're we're kind of halfway to having the idea of what it's going to be, and the rest of it's about to show up in a year or two, and then suddenly the whole thing takes off. But I think that it's safe to say that the existing currency world will not exist, and it's in the form that it's in today, 20 years from now, it will be completely reworked. Yeah, uh, to tie in with that, um, over the next uh, couple decades, we're going to start seeing the mass closure of banks, all the branch banks around the country. There's um, something like 90,000 banks uh, still in the U.S., and we've been closing, closing banks at the rate of about three a day, uh, 1,000 a year. But wow. uh, but uh, there's I think we reach at this trigger point where we suddenly start seeing oh five to ten thousand banks a year closing, 
Um, and cryptocurrency is, is contributing to that, but there's other, other factors as well. I mean, once you can do everything on your phone, why do you need the building? Why do you need to actually go talk to a person? Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of questions like that. So we're, uh, the banking industry right now has uh, been concerned about what's referred to as banking deserts, uh, large areas, uh, usually sparsely populated areas where there's actually no banks currently uh, because the banks there have closed. And those are going to be growing um, rapidly. And I think uh, over the, uh, the coming couple decades, we're just going to start seeing a mass closure of banks. You know, I, I would not be surprised to see that happen. And it's almost like we, we've got an awful lot of banking infrastructure that exists because that's kind of the last thing that it's really hard to get used to having it be digitized, you know. Um, probably a lot of the banking that goes on is as necessary as it would be for someone to call a travel agent and have them book travel for them, right, or, or to go to a full-service gas station and get your gas pumped for you or, or, you know, something like that. But we're just so used to the infrastructure of banking um, that I think – People have a. I actually had to go in the other day because I needed to get a new debit card, and it was going to take time to to have them send me one. So if I went to the branch, they could they could print me one out immediately. So that was it was worth going in. And the thing I noticed at the branch of this bank is it's Friday, so okay, but they're all dressed in jeans and sweatshirts, okay, at the bank. And I'm like, okay, they're not even trying anymore, right? We, we, we know it's over now, right? I mean, I'm old enough to remember what it was like when you walked into a bank, okay? And it was not a bunch of people in, in jeans and sweatshirts. That's uh, to, to, to me, I mean, it just, it just shows that the, if, if, the, if the whole, like, I don't know, sanctity of it is disappearing, people are also going to be very comfortable with just, I don't really need that building to exist, right? As soon as I can get that card quickly someplace else, and there's a, there's an easy way to deposit cash, an easy way to deposit checks when I have to, why would you need a bank? You don't, you don't need them anymore, right? Yeah, see, a good question well, that goes along with that is over in China, uh, in the last three years, they pretty much have stopped using cash. So in China, I mean, oh, even, yeah. even buskers on the street or beggars, um, they have a QR code out in front of them, and people can just pull out their phone and send them, uh, send them some money. Wow. And, uh, it's very simple and easy. So in, in the U.S., um, I mean, since I'm in Colorado and we have to deal with uh, uh, the whole marijuana industry, is, has to be a cash business. All cash-based, yes. Um, yeah, all cash-based. But, but there's, a, there's a time limit. I mean, somewhere along the way that changes. Right. Um, the, the people that are hardcore against the marijuana are going to die. And, uh, and, and so it's going to get legalized following down the path of, of prohibition. Uh, uh, you know, the, the downside of prohibition is that it created this huge underground economy and that that, that kind of fueled the whole uh, mafia world, the mob world, the whole underground economy. And that, um, that's, that's really what will happen and uh, push everything underground again. And so if, if we actually um, get past that, then suddenly we probably don't need cash hardly for anything in, right. in the U.S. anymore. Um, uh, so how long before cash goes away uh, or does it ever? 
Um, it's a good question. I don't know. You're talking to us from Vegas, right? One of the last holdouts <laughs> for cash, right? I mean, <laughs> cash is still a very popular commodity there, I think. Um, right, right. Yeah. And, but but, I, but I, think, I, I see your point, and, and I think that's true. I think cash maybe does... Uh, maybe does finally uh, just, just sort of disappear. And, and, that, and I think that goes really hand-in-hand hand with the whole idea of cryptocurrencies, that the, the, the whole idea that it's, it's really an electronic transaction. It's really data that's moving around. Uh, you don't need the rest of it. And, and I'm sorry, Stephen, I think I cut you off a second ago. Were you going to say something? It's, it's, um, I was just going to add that, uh, you know, uh, univer universal basic income, it's yeah. – uh, to the extent that a country has is automating, it has AI, uh, you know, driving cars and you know, doing jobs and you know, uh, to the extent that it's automating, uh, a, a countries will, um, uh, you know, tend to move towards universal basic income by ta by taxing uh, the machines, basically, uh, you know, uh, whatever. Um, you know, to the extent that you're automating, uh, you, you, you get taxed for that and uh, to fund universal basic income because there are fewer jobs to go around. And uh, I, I think uh, that will be primarily first in the developed worlds, but uh, that it, it, I think uh, ultimately uh, you begin seeing something like that worldwide. So do you yeah, actually so think, well, like 20 years from now, that'll be a thing? That we'll have a universal basic income in the U.S., for example. I think so. I okay. Think so in All right. That, that's a prediction. By golly, what do you what do you think about that, Thomas? Um, yeah, I'm I'm still having a hard time buying into universal basic income because I'm not sure how it ever gets paid for, but um, it gets into this whole bigger jobs topic that um, you know the the jobs are not all going to disappear without a fight. Um, you, you know, the, all the Walmart stores, the Kroger stores, Amazon, Kroger, Whole Foods, they're all looking for ways to eliminate all the cashiers in the stores. So that you just put stuff in a cart and it automatically charges you for that as you walk out the door. And at eliminating all those jobs, um, I mean, I get frustrated with all the transaction time in checking out of these different places. So I'm, I'm in favor of it. I love that to happen. But um, a lot of people depend on this for their, their survival. And so how, does, how do these things go away without there being a fight, uh, uh, a backlash, if you will? And what does that look like? And how does that change the, the whole arguments, the whole equation? Um, I, I think we're, we're in for some uh, kind of rough times ahead as we're trying to work through too many changes all at once. It's, it's, uh, no it no like doubt about that. Yeah. It seems like no we've got some that. tornadoes brewing here that uh, uh, we're, we're not even feeling the headwinds of it yet. So uh, uh, I think that's not too far away, though. Well, we've, we've been talking for years on this program about this uncomfortable transition to come. And I think when we get to the other side of it, things are going to be awesome. Right? I, I really do believe yeah. that the productivity, the material productivity, the material well-being that technology is going to enable, is already enabling, but that ultimately will enable, will far transcend any of the difficulties we run into with sorting out things like employment, just this whole idea that 
you have a job and then you get your money and then you're part of the economy, right? I mean, that, that's, our, that's our standard model for that. And maybe that stays because maybe we figure out how to make the economy much more productive. Maybe that's one of the problems that, that AI solves for us, right? It, it says, here, here's how you get a lot more bang for your buck out of the economy. And then just everybody has a high-paying job. Everybody's, you know, you, you've, got, you've got employment and then you don't actually need universal basic income. Or maybe universal basic income takes the form of those, you know, something like everybody's got a job. I, there, there's a lot of different ways it can pan out. And I think there, there, there are an awful lot of people with vested interests on different sides of this that are going to be, I don't know, coming head to head over, over the next few years. I think t- yeah. definitely we can say within 20 years, we'll have a cleaner picture of how that whole thing is going to resolve itself or what the big conflict will be than we, than we have right now. And yeah, I, I certainly hope it's one where... Yeah, <laughs> where safe statement. Yeah, um, the the idea that we're you know we're trying to eliminate all the security guards, we're trying to uh, even the the meter readers, you know, that go out and meet the reader on your right, house, right. Your water, electricity. I mean, that's all being done uh, wirelessly now. But the meter readers did more than just read the meters. You know, they they had other jobs as part of that. So that eliminates tasks. It doesn't eliminate the entire jobs. So then right. we, we, we then need fewer people naturally to do the work, but the, the entire job doesn't go away. It just gets reduced down uh, and over. I mean, we, we still have buggy whip, buggy whip manufacturers out there, um, and, and so these, these jobs don't totally ever seem like they never go away totally. Um, but they, they certainly get reduced down. So in the 1700s, I mean, 70, 70% of the people in the country worked in agriculture. And uh, we've gone through several iterations of 50% unemployment in the agricultural world. Now we're down to 2%. And, and it looks like that's going to drop down to about 1% of the population working in agriculture. And I think the, you know, the farmer of the future is going to work more like a conductor of an orchestra where he uh, kind of waves the wand and, you know, this, these swarm bots over here take care of this problem and this driverless tractor over here takes care of that problem. And, um, and so they, they manage an entire you know, 10,000-acre farm uh, just from their, uh, their office and their house. Um, I, I think that, that's entirely possible in the future. But then if there's nobody left earning money, then, then the economy starts falling apart. And so if we get into the universal basic income, um, if we do that, then very likely that, that creates this whole new surge of innovation, uh, creating new jobs. And, uh, but the, the, the new jobs that get created, I think, are, end up being part of the gig economy, not the, um, not the traditional hiring somebody full-time for the next 20 years. So um, uh, it's, it's a, a way different way of looking at society. Yeah, well, you, one of the things we discussed, Stephen, was that even today, right, there's more yoga instructors in this country than there ever were before, right? And it could be that we're moving towards a yoga struck instructor-heavy economy, right, where there's just a lot of people doing You know, it's a hairstylist who specializes on a particular kind of hair or shape of head or something like, right, where, where there's just... <laughs> This this like massive you know extreme kind of specialization that that can take place in people providing services to each other, all of that ultimately sitting on this layer of economic prosperity that's that's enabled by automation. Okay, guys, we've run almost completely out of time for our twenty years out. So real quick, just dash them off here if you got if you got any others. Stephen, any more? 
Well, um, one of the ways that we take uh, that we afford universal basic income is that the world population actually has begun to shrink in 20 years, while GDP is exploding. Okay, so, great, great prediction. Uh, I think the the UN and others would take issue with when that that slide will start, but I like it. It's a bold prediction. All right, how about you, Thomas? Another big one? Uh, yeah, yeah. Tying into that, um, uh, Japan and Korea are both demographic time bombs waiting to happen. Um, yeah. they're, they're countries where, well, Japan alone has 68,000 people over 100 years old right now. Wow. Um, and that's a, just a staggering number. Japan is selling more adult diapers than they are baby diapers. Um, the, the prison wow. systems are turning into um, uh, really uh, nursing homes over there because people just live on forever. And, um, and so it's... Um, they're they're starting to allow immigration in uh, in both countries, and that that's changing the the nature of it. But half of all the babies born in the world today are being born in Africa, and uh, and and so that's it's quite this interesting uh, demographic shift happening around the world. So um, so anyway, uh, moving on to a different topic. Uh, there's, uh, I actually see the first highways designated as driverless only uh, somewhere around 2030 uh, to 2035. We'll see the first billion drones in the world right around 2030. Wow. Um, uh, that, that, I think, is uh, such a massive game changer that we can't even uh, put our finger on all the things that that's going to affect right now. Big ones. Okay. Stephen, any more? You done? Um, many people uh, in 20 years will consider their uh, an AI to be their best friend. Huh? Well, yeah. yeah. We get very uh, plausible. People, people, I, yeah, people will begin to feel like uh, AIs are are people uh, in their own right. I think uh, we'll begin to feel that way in 20 years. I think. Okay. okay, this one's a this one's a long shot, but I'm just going to throw it out there since I already predicted we're going to find aliens in the next two years. We'll actually be communicating with some in the next twenty. Okay, I know I'm, I'm just I'm going totally X Files tonight, but there there. <laughs> All right, guys, that's that's a pretty good. The, the set bill is out there. <laughs> twenty years out predictions. We're going to shift gears once again. Okay, well that concludes. Part two of our special three-part 700th show celebration. Please join us on Friday for part three where we talk about the distant future. And until next time, live to see it.